welcome back to the you're wondering now podcast uh this is part two of part one part two part one <laughs> part two of part one of of songs that stop you in your tracks where we discuss songs that are not necessarily our favorite songs of all time but songs that have a deep and profound effect uh on us and we discuss why and how we're listening to them so you're wondering now Drell. you are wondering now i, I can mm. tell you're wondering, I'm wondering now i'm sat here wondering right now uh yeah how many more songs are there what this yeah well you'll find out now <laughs> all right Let's is there anything start. you want to start with uh, well, well, continue well, to start well, not... <laughs> No, I'm gonna. I want you. I'm interested to see where you go. Okay. Well, I've had, as far as I'm aware, there is a Paul McCartney song on here that we didn't talk about. We did talk about yes. the Beatles, but we didn't talk about Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney. And I haven't really listened to very much Paul McCartney solo stuff on purpose. Uh, so. <sighs> I know he gets a bad rep for his solo stuff. Yeah. But this, you know, maybe I'm amazed is from McCartney, the archive, the archive collection, but this particular the version at least. But maybe I'm amazed from 1970. Uh, I think for me, it's in my top five greatest Beatles songs that weren't when they were in the Beatles, if that makes sense. Songs by members of no. the Beatles. <laughs> no, it don't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think there's just so much emotion in it from McCartney. Emotion from the fact that he's, you know, he's with his missus. He's just left the Beatles. Yeah, the lyrics are reflective of the difficult period he's going through. It's like maybe I'm a man, maybe I'm a lonely man who's in the middle of something. That's a direct reference to the whole Apple Corpse mess. Um, I think the piano is a really underused instrument in mainstream pop or rock or whatever and i think it's just a beautiful little ode to somebody really uh and he's got such yeah who's the inventor of the vegan sausage linda mccartney yeah yeah you know linda mccartney could write hey jude but paul mccartney (laughs) could not make those uh red onion vegan sausage And McCartney has, I think his voice peaked in the 70s. Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) accented that opinion with a (laughs) bit. And he's got this really, really captivating scream in it that he did that kind of that smoky raspiness that McCartney can sometimes, well, was able to tap into. Uh, And I think there's something really power like he really means what he's singing a lot of people just write a song because they know it's going to do well he really means what he's singing and you know there's great little guitar solos in it and you, you get this kind of cacophony of everything just coming together really beautifully and it forces you to pay attention to it and if a song can do that it's all read in my book like <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. And I know that you are, you know, with your short attention span, that it must be a good song to, to hold your focus. <laughs> what should we do? Fleetwood Mac. Albatross. 
Albatross. I've not oh. listened to any Fleetwood Mac either, this, but apart from that one song that's in advert. So, do you know what? It is this one, Albatross. I yeah. don't like. I don't like the vast majority of Fleetwood Mac. I, after Peter Green left, who was a founding uh, member, one of the first. They, you know, it went Stevie Nicks, Harvey. What it was, Harvey Nichols, and 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 oh that's oh wait oh hang on, Harvey Nichols is a brand. Stevie Nichol, Stevie Nicks is <laughs> Stevie that's Nicks the, is the, the woman. woman. Isn't it? Yeah, Stevie Nicks is the woman, and Lindsay Buckingham is the man. Right. Uh, but oh, yeah, they've works. got they've got nothing to do with Albatross. Let's get back to I think Peter Green for me. Is not necessarily the best, but the most original guitarist the world has ever, ever been blessed with. Oh, wow. it, you should really like listen to like Oh Well Part One and Two. He he was just a genius, and I think Albatross is a stroke of magic. Like I think that song is what it must feel like to be high when you listen to it. It's it's. Something you don't know. I'd never know. It's so smooth. It's it's mellow. It's got this kind of mystique around it. And if you appreciate guitar, it just sounds so good. It's like, oh my god, how did he do that? And again, I think there is no other song anywhere that gets close to sounding like that. It is just so original and different. It's an instrumental. Uh, and I love it. It's a song that you can listen to when you're sad, when you're happy. You can listen to it at lunchtime, breakfast time, dinner time. Hey, even in the great British summertime. On piscine, as they say in France. Would you say it's always on your mind? <laughs> no, I'd say it's Elvis Presley. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> we can skip to Presley. Yeah, let's uh, go to Presley. That's a bit, and that's a bold choice. I think that's the one I was sort of. I, I had raised eyebrows because Elvis Presley is so much more of like an idea. He's like, he's very much a concept to people now than like a man who actually released songs. And, you know, he never wrote a lyric in his life, but the Colonel, Colonel Tom Parker, for those of you who are uncultured, would not... Kentucky Fried Colonel. Yeah. yeah would not <laughs> let, would not let any song be performed by Elvis uh, unless he had 50% songwriting credit from the author. So they kind of got ripped off, but Elvis also did their song. Did you watch the but, film before we get into yep, the song? Yeah. Was it good? I, re- I watched it thrice in cinema. Oh, wow. I, I, you liked it I that much? I don't like Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. He's too gimmicky. He, a lot of what he does is unnecessary. But I think, you know, uh, Tom Hanks won a Razzie, I think, for his performance as Colonel yeah, Tom did. Parker. And I don't understand that. I left the cinema hating Tom Hanks because of how evil he was in that role. And that just <laughs> that just shows how good he was or how dumb I am. <laughs> I think it's and because I of think, the accent, right? Because he's yeah, like, what, it, Dutch or it, something. Yeah, that was that was a bit dumb, but. Other than that, I think it was credible, incredible, not credible. <laughs> um, Rather credible. And Austin Butler, he did a great job. I don't think anyone else could have done Elvis. 
but yeah back to what is always on your mind is why is always on my mind on your mind on my mind and i think it's one of the few songs where you truly get a range and kind of yeah you get the full range of what elvis can do with his voice and i think he had a magnificent voice uh (laughs) <laughs> I've just seen you looking at your phone. Am I boring you? Am no, I boring I you? <laughs> I, was to, I was looking at the next song. If there was something no, sorry, sorry. I'll uh, I'll just footnote that. And uh, <laughs> and I think a it's a really it's not lovey dovey, but it's also the type of song that you could dance to a slow dance, a fast mm. dance, you know, and always on my mind it's like a nice little love song it's just it's just nice and it also holds it holds very special memories to me being at my grandparents house they'd have this on a cassette yeah what are they what grandparents so when your parents (laughs) your parents parents are what grandparents are and a cassette is the worst form of of digesting music if if you are any self-respecting music fan you know that a cassette is awful they've never been good it's they were just more cool. convenient than a vinyl not cool either to have a cassette player no i i respect cds more than a cassette like if what's the well cds are the best quality of any of music but the best kind of, how can I word this? The best way to digest music, like everything is mastered for a CD. Back before streaming happened, the first physical copy of any song came on a CD. A song is mastered for a CD. Uh, you know, vinyl, you don't get that good quality on vinyl because the more music on it, the thinner the shellac gets worn, uh, which makes a tinny, awful sound, and they don't last. And I've bored you enough now where we you, all know that streaming <laughs> it, services... You waffled so long, your your Wi-Fi got worse again. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Spotify are listening. Yeah, they're, they're trying to shut you down. I mean, big big music is, you know... Well, they shouldn't because I'm helping their wheels go around with this podcast. <laughs> you so... want people to pivot back to CDs, <laughs> though. You can't, you can't come out with that. There's more money in physical. That's true. Yeah, so uh, that's my two pennies for Elvis. Love you, yeah. Elvis. Thank you, thank you very much. Do you were, were you like a was it a bit of an Elvis household? Uh, get that, and some people just don't. And my house was not really. In terms of his music or the film. No, like the music, like you know, I, people's I think parents so. just sort of have a massive infatuation with him. My they? my mum's parents loved Cliff, Cliff Richard and Elvis. Wow. And and their family also loved Elvis because he had that rockabilly kind of. Oh, baby, 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 yeah. baby. <laughs> uh, I can't I can't imagine being like I don't know, just like a a, a teenage woman <laughs> when when he was like peak popularity. You'd be uh, like I'd fainting. collapse. You fainting every time. I'd be, I'd be able to say, I'd be able to say, I went to an Elvis concert, but I didn't see Elvis. I didn't quite remember much of what happened. Yeah. I know the feeling. 
That might have been the Coke in the Coca-Cola at the time. <laughs> that would be different, actually. I would like to try that. Just some pure co- Coca-Cola. Just some pure, pure Coke. <laughs> I'm going to pivot away from that now. Uh, oh, I forgot yeah. about the other Beatles song. My bad. Uh, they let me down. I think I let you down there. I forgot to... I could have I segued it's, quite smoothly. From Paul it's okay. I, th- I, I think... Now, this is possibly going to be one of my most controversial statements ever yep. recorded. Come out with it. I think it's one of the best Beatles songs ever made. And they I think it makes down. it... I think it makes it bittersweet that it was one of the last songs that they ever made. Hmm. Uh, album it never actually made an album. Oh. It was released as a single, but it was recorded around the Let It Be sessions. All right. Featured on the rooftop. And I just think there's a lot of soul in it. And you, again, similar to that um, Elvis song, you get Lennon's full range, you get a Lennon scream, you get soft Lennon. And, you know, he couldn't necessarily sing, but he had such a captivating voice. Yeah. And there's, there's a real groove to Don't Let Me Down and like a yearning and you know Harrison's guitar work was top notch and you know they'd moved away from their elaborate Sergeant Salt and Peppers (laughs) you know their Abbey Road their big orchestras and this is like stripped down just in just the instruments that they play yeah they had Billy Preston involved and he really elevates that song but there's just something about that song that gets me more than 80% 80% of the Beatles. That's quite a lot, actually. 80%. Sorry, not a lot. No, it's no, bigger than it's that. It's five, large. If it's top five, it has to be particularly good for you. Like, that's and bold, I feel like. Well, there's two versions. There's right. a live on the rooftop version that they recorded, and then they've got the version which they kind of scrubbed up. And I prefer the live one. You've got that really raw, live energy going on. Mm. And it's it's like a head rocker. It's like oh, you really become a part of it. Yeah, no moshing though. I don't was moshing a thing yet. Yeah, well after they cut, apparently John Lennon jumped into Ringo Starr's drum set. Oh. And McCartney had his Hoffman and started smacking it over George Harrison. <laughs> Is that a myth? Is that a myth? You know, like people smashing up guitars after shows. Well, not well during. Is that a thing uh, the- that people really did that? The who, the who started it all? Yeah. Pete Townsend and, and Keith Moon. They used to destroy everything at the end. Now it's just sort of like a... That's a, a bit weird, sad. A weird live music pastiche that no one really does anymore. Yeah, I think mostly because people play with like antique guitars that were like made yeah. in the 60s. Pete Townsend could smash a guitar made in the 60s because it was worth nothing because it was only made in the 60s. Yeah, exactly. It was the 60s then. Yeah. <laughs> what would they be nostalgic about like a nice gramophone maybe, maybe nostalgic about nostalgic about last week when they got the <laughs> <laughs> maybe um oh john denver's on here i feel like yep. he's a, a a good singer comparatively like there, he, there's a, a similar amount of emotional depth in his voice there. he's a bit like cohen he mm. just puts beautiful music to beautiful lyrics 
there's so much kind of metaphor, simile, imagery, uh, so vivid. And I wouldn't say he's got a voice like Honey, but he's got a kind of angelic twang to his voice, which yeah. is quite unusual, you know, for males. I'm just saying it. Yeah, it could be controversial. I don't care. Uh, Very smooth. And if, and if you just really sit and listen to his music, it's like, wow. And again, it has that personal connection. It's one of my grandfather's favourite tunes. And I think that makes it special enough. If you can make a connection to any song like that, you're always going to hold it in your heart. Yeah. Uh, but I, again, John Denver, quite an underrated man. I'd never get in a plane with him, but... <laughs> <laughs> What do you think of, uh, I think that, you know, Country Roads is uh, annoying. Again, again, I think it's annoying because it's overplayed, but all, the, yeah. all these big songs feel like one big journey, like Sunshine on My Shoulders. He's he's kind of just describing like a big mountain, Very. big mountain foresty, woody area. And it's yeah. basically just where he lived or where he traveled to to get to where he lived. And I think that's really powerful as well. A lot of songs now are just these words rhyme and this is great. If you can really no, get sure. into if you can tap into a feeling or a setting it's or an element what... of storytelling, you know, like exactly. Of pilgrim, oh, I think that's perfect. Yeah. Across the West, you know, exploring the great expanse of mid mid America, you know. Exactly. And in my head, have you ever watched The Shining? Yeah. You know, the kind of the opening scenes where there's a, they're just driving through. Mm. I kind of have that, but a more autumn-y kind of twang to it in my head when I sit and listen to this song. Like, oh, this is where they're going and this is kind of where they are. I should be saying it's sunshine on my shoulders. Have you said that? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Just so people know which song we're talking about. Sorry, yeah. Sunshine on my shoulders by John Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there any any points to add? On John Denver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People need to listen to him and listen to Sunshine on My Shoulders and just allow yourself to be consumed by his lyrics and what he's talking about it's 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 a bit it's kind of like you know like cohen or dylan a lot of the time the music doesn't matter the music just adds to the experience yeah you're, so you're really let the, a man tell you a story yeah and you're really there for his lyrics and they're just sensational could you say the same about cat stevens do you know what i was thinking about cat stevens yesterday not like that <laughs> I was thinking if I would want one <laughs> if I would want one person to deliver devastating news to me or just read me a bedtime story or reassure me or anything in life or narrate my life, I would have Cat Stevens do it. Well, yourself slash cat. Yeah. He's just his voice feels like a warm hug. It just feels so reassuring and he's got a voice like honey, I think. It's so distinct. And I think Father and Son is a masterpiece. There, I said it. It's a masterpiece. For someone his age, it was at 1970 that that came out. He'd have been, what, 
20 odd to have that maturity to write a song as cutting as that it was for a film about a man's son that enlists to go to war and he doesn't like the idea of it and it's like oh you never listen to your father hence father and son and but that got scrapped but it became a, a classic it didn't chart very well when it first came out but I think if a song is special to someone or if you really like a song where it charted didn't does not matter it's relevant and the lyrics again it's like that cliche oh I think of my dad but I I don't really think I think of my dad because it says father and son like I no my dad <laughs> I'd never sign up to the army and my dad would never get mad at me if I did. <laughs> uh I'm allowed to think of him though. Yeah, and what is also quite unique about the song, he kind of combines two perspectives. Right. It's kind of you've got this reassuring, kind of contemplative, kind of, you know, I've got the age and wisdom, here's my two cents, and then the clap back from the sun. And that's when he kind of breaks out into this higher more powerful um diction and level of singing and i I think juxtaposition it's it's almost like he's duetting with himself but his lyrics are just so mature and insightful and you can make a real connection with them i think i think that's definitely a desert island song for me yeah that's 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 a big one i feel that's one of the uh, one of the standouts of the full list yeah definitely how many have we got four more Uh, hmm. sleepwalk is here yep santo and johnny yep who were they uh the two brothers and this is another instrumental like albatross all right uh and a this is like you know how when people cite, oh, if it wasn't for this song or if it wasn't for these, you can hear this influence in many of the people in the 60s and 70s. I think this came out late 50s. And it's steel guitar uh, and a lot of slide involved. And I think there's something really ominous and almost creepy about the opening to this song and i think what is partly due to that is the quality of its recording because it's so old um and it really wraps you in it creates a really strong sense of atmosphere for me as soon as i listen to it and i'm immediately i'm in that song i'm nowhere else Mm. i'm in that song and then and then you get taken on this quick journey of really astute steel playing and everything and Everything just sounds so right, which is a weird thing to say when you describe a song because, well, duh. Um, and I always kind of imagine wintery vibes from this song. It'd be uh, you know, a, a cold, dark winter. And maybe it sounds a bit silly, but I think this song helps you tell a story in your head. Like In my yeah. head, I've got this story of a painful breakup at the start around dark winter time. And then it goes back through, you know, you get a flashback of people slowly dancing to this song. And I can definitely see myself, if anybody ever wanted to, slow dancing to this song. After a <laughs> that's break, a bit, that's a bit, it's a bit sadly romantic, isn't it? <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like there's, there, there is some romanticism there. I feel like on, uh, I was going to ask, actually, when, it, when it's just like purely instrumental. Obviously, I know the answer now, but like 
I feel like some people maybe struggle to find narrative in just like sound, which is I don't but think it's that hard if the music's I, good. I think there's something powerful in the fact that you you can have a completely different idea of it to me, yeah. and it's it's what that music moves your brain down, what avenue it's th- making you think about how and why. Yeah, uh, and. You know, above everything else, I think this is one of the most important songs ever made. Really? Yeah, I, I think it really is. It should be in a time capsule, this song. And again, it, it feels like you're on a cloud when it gets into the kind of the really steely guitar. So- you can't really say it's a solo because an instrumental technically is one big solo. But when it really gets into it, it feels like you're sitting on a cloud. It's just so... Cool. And, you know, it could be a lullaby. A bit like Cat Stevens singing to me like a lullaby. It could be. (laughs) This this song could easily be a lullaby. That's high praise. That is high praise. Yeah, I'm a big big fan. And it's like, you know, they never really did anything that good again other than re-record it several hundred times. But I don't think you need to. When you've got something that good and everlasting, that song will last forever. People will always go back to that song. Do you need to like? uh, Well, why did they? Why did they keep redoing it? Was there demand for that? I think there was demand to hear how good it sounded through a different record label. (laughs) Right, fair enough. Maximize the money. I, I, I respect that. But they did make another version of it, which the the version that I've included on this playlist, which I will make available to everybody, by the way, just so you can kind of mm. put the, the song to I think this is the best version the other versions are too harsh with their kind of intros and you know this slowly relaxes you into whatever you want to feel and think okay. I like to feel relaxed <laughs> I will listen to that what oh, I've just spotted the hollies I was, I was deciding but the hollies are quite big aren't they the they Hollies were. are big, and yeah, they they were. Mm. Um, you are referring to the song. Just, yeah, that's I breathe. Yeah, um, this song always makes me think of my brothers, which is silly because they've got a song that goes, "He ain't heavy as my brother," but <laughs> <laughs> you just made that. You just attached it to something else, anyway. Yeah, and it's just a great song. There's a lot of yearn in this song and almost a bit of pain. And I think the vocals on it, the lyrics, they're just great. I mean, who's the lead? I think the lead singer was Ian Ian Parker. Vocalist, vocalist. Uh, Peter ha- Peter Howarth, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> and obviously we all know that um, Graham Nash left to go and form Crosby, Stills and Nash. So, you know, I don't know if you've heard this song. I'm presuming you have. I've heard the song. I feel like I've heard a couple of the Holly songs without attaching where they come from for some reason. I think a lot of Holly's music gives me the same vibe as this song 
a lot of it doesn't, by the way, but there's just something about it this is like the one song that i was thinking on the list i can't really give a concrete answer as to why but it just it just stops me there's a connection makes me think of my brothers uh and it's just a nice it's a nice phrase isn't it sometimes all i need is the air that i breathe and to love you it's like back to basics everybody yeah you know don't complicate it yeah, like the purities of life without sounding too cliche. That's sweet. That's a sweet concept. What if, like me, you're asthmatic, though, and you can't romanticise the air so much? <laughs> what What for the well, people like that? For any emphysema sufferers, <laughs> uh, just focus on the love part, not the... Uh... <laughs> what else do I need but to love you? Yeah, which can... is also a nice song on its own if it were a song you don't need anything else forget about your breathing you've got love <laughs> you can bet that that could be on the blurb of the podcast <laughs> um you've got two more songs uh, so i'm gonna mm-hmm. let you pick what you want to say for last there is it takes a lot to laugh it takes a train to cry and there's yeah. if paradise is half as nice Oh, now this is very interesting because these are two songs by two. Well, these are performances from two artists that I'd never have known had I not been fortunate enough to work where and how I work. Uh, Andy Fairweather. Let's go with Andy Fairweather Low. Right. Uh, If Paradise is Half as Nice from Sweet Sounds, I think the album's called. Sweet. And. You know, Andy Fairweather Low, let's just let's get this out there. He has played with absolutely, well, not absolutely everybody because that'd be impossible, but. <laughs> no one's going to pull you up on that, though. He's played with Clap- Eric Clapton, Roger Waters, Bill Wyman, Bob Dylan, Hendrix, The Who, George Harrison, uh, and B.B. King, to name a few. And. That is a few. That's a star-studded cast there. There's there's something about his voice in this song. I think it's perfect. There's kind of there's a waning in his voice. It's like a mature. It's a it's a re kind of rediscovered version of his own song. This version. And again, it's it's just another beautiful. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion in how he sings this song. If paradise is half as nice. And take me. Like, hang on, I'm gonna fuck this up again. Fifty-one <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Get it right. Um, let's see. It goes. If paradise is half as nice as heaven that you take me to, who needs paradise? I'd rather have you. Um. I, I think his voice, his his vocals really make this connection for me and really kind of ground me. Um, I think a lot of the time the vocals can do heavy lifting in songs, but also the music. And on this occasion, I think his vocals carry it. He's very softly, mellowy spoken. Big Welshman he is. Uh, and it's a song that not enough people know. And I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. And if if someone wrote that about me, I think I'd cry. 
<laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, but they didn't, so I'm angry and sad. <laughs> and the last song on this list is a Bob Dylan cover. And this is going to be a podcast full of controversial statements. Yeah. I, I think this is better than the original. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I, I know I, I know a certain executive producer won't like that as he's a huge Bob Dylan That's fan. Dylan fan. Yeah. Um but he a lot of covers, right, in my opinion, a lot of covers are very safe. They just they just do the song originally but through their kind of own band or artist channel. They kind of push it through their mold, which is yeah. fine. I'm I quite like a cover that is just a cover um but this he adds i don't i don't don't mean literally i mean he adds an element to this song that bob dylan just doesn't have and he's another guy with a real mature sweet sounding voice and when you can, when you've got a really, they call him the titan of the Telecaster. He's so he, he's so good on that guitar, and and when you combine, you know, a voice like Honey with beautiful umami guitar playing, and put that to Bob Dylan's lyrics, I think you're onto a winner. I think it's slightly slower than the original um which which is which just makes it great yeah uh, i see which just benefits from that pace maybe and it, it it i think it certainly makes this it adds a different element to the song that you know for no fault of his own dylan didn't have yeah and you know what is better than a dylan song a song covered uh, a dylan cover done even better than dylan <laughs> I think that it's controversial, but it's a beautiful version. And I really, really implore you all to give it a go. It takes you on a like the train in the song. It takes you on a nice little stroll through the mind of Bob Dylan, pushed through the gaze of Bill Kirchhen. I thought those are those are the uh, underlying threads of the whole list for you, like a sort of emblematic journey type song with some sort of lyrical and musical motifs and an emotive vocal through line. Those are like that sort of the epitome of it, I guess. Yeah. And I think what has also been an underline or an overline, whichever way people choose to listen, theme has been, you know, there's a, the, great instrumentals in there but a lot of it there's nothing elaborate there's nothing too elaborate about any of yes some of these songs have orchestras and like ensembles but there's nothing too elaborate about mm. any of the songs on my list does the essentials correct yeah I, I think it just proves that either i'm a dullard or there's just no need to be elaborate to make something really beautiful that you can connect with and that can stop you and make you really absorb everything that's going on i think there's a middle ground there 
Where? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there. Right there. <laughs> right, right in the middle. Oh, yeah. For those of you that can't see us, we pointed to the right. To the right. <laughs> so just take um, it right. There might be a bit so of doubt somewhere. That brings to the end part two of part one. <laughs> part two, yeah. Section B of part yeah. one. Yeah. There's an appendix somewhere, and yeah. stay tuned for next the next part, which would be part one of part two of part and we, one. And we call it uh, one part two. And <laughs> we have to call this part one part two. And it would be Darrell's list of songs that ground him and stop him in his tracks. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've got to revise. <laughs> you can listen to them all can, right now. Can can I can I leave us all with a joke this week? It's you not really a joke. The joke. It's you it's a, joke, didn't you? I did not this one, but I no. did that. I did. I this is part two of part one. Remember, Actually, I when, when we did part yeah. Um, I want to end with some advice. Okay. And the advice is never let Sean Connery teach your dog to sit. Why is that? Why is that, Will? Because, fortunately or unfortunately for him, he had a very particular accent. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the penny has just dropped. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, adios.